Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of August 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find hundreds and hundreds of audios to choose from where hopefully by the time you're finished, if you still have any hair left, you'll understand that the big system that runs the world has always been here. The media keep away from it, of course, because they're owned by this big system. And to show you how everything in a, on a major level, a big level in the world, anything that happens across the whole planet is, is pretty well designed that way. We're moving towards what's called a new world order. And what you're going through right now is the chaos leading up to it. And, uh, and even the riots in London and so on. This is all, this is all part of it too. And, um, you'll find, as I say, that we're international. We've been international for a long, long time. And since the, the charter was signed at the United Nations by all the participant uh, countries, in 1945, 1946, you'll find that literally no country has had any sovereignty really uh, uh, since that time. We've been working towards this global governance, but not just any kind of democracy. They like to, to flout the word now and then because it, it sounds so great. Democracy is something that gets into your imagination because your imagination has to go to work to find out what it means. It keeps changing. But uh, you actually see what they actually do at the top. And I always say that, look at what they do, not what they say. And you, know, you get, get an idea of the kind of society they bring into being. It's a totalitarian system based on eugenics, based on the better people running the world. And literally, eventually, as they bring down the populations, which are drastically falling, actually, especially in first world countries, they'll, they'll bring in new types uh, of, once you get past bringing immigrants in to pay off the national debt, then they'll get into the, the types of cloning, etc., to manage the world the way it should be managed, according to them at the top. Because, you see, we're too inefficient at the bottom. We need entertainment. We need uh, fun. We need uh, relaxation once in a while. And uh, uh, it's just too much trouble to, to cater to all these things. So it also detracts from all the profit at the top. That way, if you, if you can create the types of human beings you want to, to be who are pretty efficient, get the jobs done but don't want anything, then they've met their mark. And they're talking about 2050 for that to happen as most folk die off along the way and don't have children. So anyway, help yourself to the audios. Remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can order the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com using a personal check, or you can use an international postal money order. And some people just send cash across the world. You can use uh, Western Union MoneyGram, and, of course, anywhere you can use PayPal. You'll find the donation button on the site. Use that. Send an email with an email with a, uh, your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can if you want to order. Remember, straight donations are really, really welcome. But as I say, getting back to what I was saying there, we think the world is just going along happenstance, and that's the accidental view of history. Uh, Nothing is further from the truth, as I say. Even to do with the shootings in England, uh, nothing is further from the truth. It just happened on a spontaneous uh, check on a van or something like that. Nothing is ever further from the truth. The big boys, when they want something to happen, they make it happen. 
And then, of course, they use what happens to get the next part of the plan through. If you've got no terrorism going on, for instance, in Britain, and yet you've got a massive internal army, which are now really the police forces, uh, you've got to make something happen to justify your existence. They're already talking about cutting back the police forces drastically uh, this last uh, few months, and bang, off goes England, and now, of course, they want more police than, than ever. They also want more cameras and more more intrusive ways to go into everybody's, everybody's lives. It doesn't matter where they live, even if they're far away from the trouble. And that's how you get things done in the real world. You make the events happen, and you fan the flames, and then they sit back, and then they offer the solutions. And everybody says, thank God the government's doing something about it. Uh, please do more. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and talking about how things happen on a big scale and how you always find afterwards there's obviously planning behind it. Even going back to the 7-7 bombings and then of course Miss Dicker Dyker, whatever her name was, who was in charge of the Metro uh, Assassination Squad, really sent one guy off to kill another fellow who was an electrician who supposedly they mistook for someone else involved in the bombings. And he, he was literally targeted for extermination, and that's what they did to him. They eliminated him and shot him right in the head, uh, point-blank range. And uh, the same person, of course, was I'm thinking is involved in this one too, because I think she's also in charge of uh, this particular Trident squad as well. He's the tactical force, not the not the chairperson of it. The chairperson is a Miss Webb and... Uh, I think she was behind this one too, another assassination really, where they went off to to, to pick off someone, uh, definitely to pick them off. I think that's how they, how they, they do with it, deal with it nowadays. And it turns out in the paper today, Mark Duggan death at the IPCC may have misled journalists, which is a joke because the IPCC uh, don't say a darn thing to anybody uh, unless they want to. We all know that from past experience. The police watchdog has admitted it may have misled journalists. Now, you don't mislead journalists. Not when you've got a, a powder keg sitting waiting to blow up. You, you, you don't mislead, uh, mislead the journalists. You don't do a darn thing without authorization. You don't say a darn thing to, to, to journalists, believe you me. And it says, um, into believing police shooting victim Mark Duggan fired at officers before he was killed. So anyway, I'm not saying the guy's a saint or anything like that. I'm sure he was involved in different things because those areas always are. It's the same in parts of Toronto and elsewhere where people will settle in and they get into this culture, this rap culture and all the rest of it, and poverty, stealing, and they end up generally shooting each other. That's what happens. We've had that for years. Anyway, it says here, his death sparked initial riots in London, which were followed by disorder in other English cities. The Independent Police Complaints Commission later released a statement to make it clear that Mr. Duggan did not fire a gun at the police. It says, ballistic tests found that a bullet which lodged itself in one of the officers' radios was police issue. It was reported by many media outlets at the time that a police officer had been shot before Mr. Duggan was killed. And other developments surrounding the riots in England, it gives you a whole bunch of things that have happened. Different folk have died, some have been shot with other with gang-on-gang violence and so on. And then the politicians get in on the act, Mr. Miliband, who's got more relatives in Russia than he does in Britain. But anyway, it says, um, 
It says the IPCC said in a statement, Friday analysis of media coverage and queries raised on Twitter have alerted us to the possibility that we may have inadvertently given misleading information to journalists when responding to very early media queries following the shooting of Mark Duggan. And then it says, um, it said, however, having reviewed the information the IPCC received and gave out during the very early hours of unfolding the incident before any documentation had been received, it seems seems possible that we may have verbally led, led journalists to believe that shorts were exchanged, uh, as this was consistent with early information received that an officer had been shot and taken to hospital. Well, if it's a police bullet, then I imagine the police were in a cross, they had set up a crossfire. Uh, that's obviously what happened. So shots had to be exchanged between cops and cops. Anyway, it says, any reference to an exchange of shots uh, was not correct and did not feature in any of her formal statements, although an officer was taken to hospital after the incident. Uh, Mr. Duggan was a passenger in a minicab which was stopped by police near Tottenham Hale tube station, a non-police issue handgun converted. It wasn't a handgun, it was, it was a, a blank firing pistol, the starting pistol, they call them, using them at the races. And it's generally eight millimeters blanks that they use. It says it was recovered close to the scene of his death. It doesn't even mean that it's his, mind you. And apart from that, if you tried to fire it, even if you converted it to fire some kind of ball in the end, you'd probably blow it up because uh, it's cast metal. It's that white, cheap cast metal. And it says the bullet lodged in, in, in the police radio was a jacketed round, a police issue bullet consistent with being fired from a metro. Uh, Police Heckler and Koch MP5, the IPCC said. An inquest in Mr. Duggan's death, which opened at North London's Coroner's Court in High Barnet Tuesday, heard that the father of four died from a single gunshot wound to the chest. Uh, anyway, that's what sparked, supposedly sparked the riots off, but really, it could have been anything that they sparked it off with, uh, just the right time to do it, because it's a, it's a powder keg. As I say, you've crammed so many people into Britain from countries which really, really um, it's, a, it's a shock. It's a culture shock when they hit places like Britain, because it's a different. Totally, it was a different culture. Put it that way. Now it's just a mess, as far as I'm concerned. Deliberately so, because there are those in government, and they've been here for generations in government in Britain, who've done their best to destroy what culture there was, and that was admitted too by the vice uh, prime minister of Tony Blair and the mainstream papers, that their job was to literally try and eradicate any culture that was ever left in Britain, totally destroy it and by mass, mass immigration. And even the immigrants have been complaining over the years. There's far too many new immigrants coming in, and they're all chasing uh, a few jobs, basically. Too many following the same few jobs. So this, this was just waiting to happen. And you've got to go back in your history if you want to find out why this is happening and who suggested it, who pushed it all. And then you may get on the right track. We, we tend to get caught up in the stories. Uh, we get caught up in riots, things like that. And we forget the history behind all of this. And it's not just that the Britain, this has been done to it's other countries as well. And uh, believe you me, um, it's never the, the people you see on the screens uh, rioting that's managing all of this. It's not them. There's something much bigger above it all. The ones who promote, as I say, massive immigration, uh, eventually you'll see them ruling over you all. It's up to you to find out who that is. It's quite obvious if you do a bit of checking. So anyway, that's that for, for, for there. And then you have, um, again, this Miliband. He, he's like all, it's like quite a few of these, these guys in the British Parliament getting as much attention as he can on, uh, with, on the media. And the Miliband, you have to go into their history too. As I say, their, their, their father, the father came over from the Soviet Union, uh, and, um, 
and started up teaching uh, Marxism in a university in England, and the sons follow suit. And they always go pretend that they're labor, but there's a deeper thing behind all the labor uh, movements, etc. So much something else, there's something else involved here, and that's all I'll say. But anyway, it says here, um, Ed Milband has blamed the riots that swept English cities on a me-first culture and accepted that Labour must share the blame for creating it. Now, it really, yeah. The Labour leader said his party had failed to tackle inequality and not paid enough attention to morality. What are they talking about? These are the guys who promote the decadent society they've created. They, they made it happen under the guise of equality and freedom, etc., the destruction of the family unit. Ringing any bells anywhere? Who's read enough? You know, does it ring any bells? A society where everyone's told to basically rut like bunnies but just don't have children. Hmm? And there's no work either. What, what are you going to do? To survive in some of these inner cities, you have to be streetwise and make cash from any, any means that you can to survive. And that's what they do. And that's what they're, they're known to do. And that's what the big boys want them to do. And then as long as the drugs are f- flying in and passing around, everyone's fairly quiet. When inflation goes up and, and they're, they're cut back on the fixed wages or incomes they get, riots start. And that's what happens. Sometimes they cut the drugs off, by the way. And then it's crime. It's, it's black crime on black crime then. It's the, each gang is chasing other ones down in case they've got some drugs left. And then once all the violence is over and laws are passed, it starts flowing again and all quietens down. This is a, a typical thing I've seen in quite a few countries. So that so there's big boys involved in, in all of this too. And those who follow the gangs have no time for. I don't care what ethnic minority you want to put yourself in, and I mean that, you want to put yourself in, the best thing you can do for anybody, an individual, is to get out of the ones who are complaining all the time. Get out, leave them. And go and get yourself a life, because if you stay there, you'll just end up in, in the same mess as, as everyone else's. When you, when you sit and bitch and bitch and bitch your whole life long, you know, you're either going to take out on somebody, probably some innocent person, or you, you got to do something about it that's concrete. Just get out of the system, get out of the people you're living around, and, and be an individual, because that's the only way you can do it. Don't follow other people, and... You, you know, this Miliband breaks me up. Who gave the people the culture that they've got, the culture industry? And in Hollywood and music television has given them the very culture that they're all portraying in the riots. Tonight I put up a list of all the, the music videos. These are the guy. You don't understand, the ones you're seeing rioting have, don't make the culture. They don't make it. They think they have a culture, but they didn't make it either. They dress the way they're told to dress by the ones in the fashion industry. And uh, and they portray their, in their lifestyles, they emulate what they see on music television and in all the movies. And I put a list up tonight of all the videos. They've been churning them out, the rap-type videos, to show that they've got all got riots in it, street riots. They've been promoting this for ages, waiting for it happening, and, and they let it happen. It all connects together. But who are, who's benefiting from this? You understand who is benefiting from it. Not the ones rioting on the streets. Who wanted this to happen? Who owns the culture industry? 
Anyway, as I say, I put a whole list up for the, the videos for you to watch, and you'll see the main theme is to try and make uh, violence in the street sexy, uh, sexifying violence, as they call it. And you can take it from there for yourselves. Now, <laughs> it's quite interesting, too, to see all the different players come out, too, on the U.S. side as they want to uh, invade Syria. And suddenly it's Syria. Remember George Orwell in his 1984 says, who are we fighting today? Because they keep changing the gun sites. One day it's East Asia, West Asia, etc. And uh, you have to be told, it happens so quickly, you have to be told who you're fighting. And the U.S., the US I must say, it does a cracker job of this because even when they were after Saddam Hussein, supposedly, uh, they, they mixed them in with Ben Laden, even though they were attacking Afghanistan. They wanted to attack Iraq, so they, they, they switched gun sites. The American people didn't notice that they'd gone to Iraq. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix talking about the U.S. and how it can change its gun sites. And they did studies during in Canada, Canada polls and studies on the U.S. And, and they, they mentioned how slick it was that the, 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 the media in the U.S. had, had so, so cleverly uh, just cracked the gun sites from Afghanistan to Iraq uh, that the, the people literally thought within eight months that Saddam Hussein had been up behind the, the blowing up the towers. No kidding, that's how slick it was. And they all did it in unison, all worked together. Of course, all the media always does. They're all owned by the same people. And uh, and so the U.S. didn't think much about it when they started to uh, blast away at Iraq. And since then, it's been one country after another. And then in go the big boys uh, who are not rioting on the streets and will never riot on the streets. They don't have to. They're much, much higher than the big tower. The big boys go in and plunder it, of course. Uh, but they depend upon the politicians and their cheerleaders for war to make it happen. And this article here is on Syria unrest. It's a big propaganda piece, fresh crackdown across country, it says. It says, uh, and guess who's leading the charge? Well, U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton urged other countries to get on the right side of history by cutting ties with the Syrian regime. Earlier, she called for wider international sanctions on Damascus. That's the standard way they do it. They try to starve the folk out first, weaken them, and then they go and bomb them, bomb them and then rob, rob them blind. Since more than 1,700 people have died and tens of thousands have reportedly been arrested since uprising against a 41-year-old uh, President Bashar al-Assad's family began in March. Now, they gave us the same stories with the other countries that they've already plundered. And uh, same idea, same old nonsense, same propaganda. But Hillary Clinton, it seems to be her main job is to go around uh, getting the U.S. to go off to more and more wars in the Middle East and around that area. And she's joined, too, with, with this is, how many women is this amazing? You, you also have Madeleine Albright in, in the NATO, because she's up at NATO now. Uh, she's also chewing for it. And then you have this, again, it's a small world, isn't it, at the top? So, so small. So you've got Samantha Power. Who's Samantha Power? Well, she just happened to be the campaign manager for Obama. And uh, she just got married to Mr. Sunstein, who's also been appointed to basically probe your minds and, and give you nudges and so on. How to manage the people in a paternalistic sort of way. So here's Samantha Power, also championing for the war, along with Madeleine Albright and Hillary Clinton. Hmm? 
There's a lot more to it, but I'm sure the wiser ones know uh, to do their own homework, and they'll, they'll put it together rather quickly. But it's just astonishing. Here they go again, one country after another. Exactly the same agenda as the, the neocons had. It's carried on with Obama. The exact same agenda. Hasn't changed a bit, because there's something behind all of this, obviously, isn't there? And it's all connected. So I'll put up Samantha Power 2, a little bit on her. And how she just rags to riches, just suddenly shot up there as always. And how Sunstein himself shot up there and uh, just churns out book after book after book, probably with the whole staff to do it for him, I'm sure. But that's how you create stars. And these characters are into much more than just writing books and telling you who to go to to war with. They're also heavily involved in uh, really all what they they call the, the, uh, the patriotic bloggers and so on how to disrupt patriotism and, and people who are still nationalistic in any sense by using their own teams to invade through the internet and how to bring them down and so on and how to dismantle them and how to eliminate leaders, by the way. Of them. More, that's more important, actually. So I'll put that up too. And you can, as I said, do your own homework. You have to do your own homework. If you're someone who waits for someone to tell you everything, uh, you don't have a chance anyway. Now... There's another article here on, everybody's been talking about fluoride forever, but there's, there's more and more studies coming out all the time, proving what we already knew, and uh, it says fluoride is classified now as a neurotoxin, while the Centers for Disease Control would have us all believe that fluoride is perfectly innocuous and safe. Scientists from the EPA's National Health and Environment Effects Research Laboratory have classified fluoride as a chemical having substantial evidence of developmental neurotoxicity. So it's for, for babies and fetuses and children, right? Consistent with EPA's conclusion, a continually growing body of human and animal research strongly suggests that fluoride can damage the developing brain. Like they've never known this for a hundred years. Eh? And it gives you some of the studies here to show you how it works, etc. And it says the studies are link fluoride to reduced IQ. Well, that's perfect if you want to be a, a tiny minority governing and managing a majority, isn't it? You make sure they'll drink poison. Impaired neurobehavioral development and fetal brain damage. <laughs> so you're hit right in the womb. Again, just with the bisphenol A2 and the thalates. And they've come from, it says, um, these latest tests have come from China where fluoride occurs at moderate to high levels in the drinking water, what is known as endemic areas for, of fluorosis. Well, there have been shortcomings in the methodologies of some of these studies. They've been remarkably consistent in their findings. Children exposed to excessive fluoride have been consistently observed to suffer from some form of neurological impairment. So your brain is under attack, as it says on this article here. And it also is involved in autism spectrum disorders, attention deficit hyperactivity disorders, and, of course, for the elderly, Alzheimer's disease. And it goes on and on and on. And... Uh, it's quite an interesting little article. You get fed up reading articles over and over as proving the same things. But again, most folk, again, they don't want to believe there's bad people at the top there. They can't believe that folk will deliberately try and dumb you down, maybe even poison you, maybe even give you cancers like they did with the polio vaccines, uh, with the live viruses, the simian 40 virus in them. They don't want to believe that. They want to believe the world's really nice and people who go on television with suits and ties really care about you really care about you. And that's her choice. That is her choice. That's the proof of a domesticated animal. Back with more after this break.
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix and talking about how they want to plunder Syria. And they're already going ahead with it in other ways. I'll put up a PDF link tonight, too. And it says the OFAC names the Commercial Bank of Syria, the Syrian Lebanese Commercial Bank and Syrtel as specially designated nationals. Additional sanctions against Syria are expected. So in other words, they're going after all the big bank accounts, the corporations in Syria, uh, or who have offices abroad, and just stealing their money. That's how it's done, you see, by those who run the legal system in the U.S., it says, on August the 10th, 2011, the Office of Foreign Assets Control, U.S. Department of the Treasury, the OFAC, named the Commercial Bank of Syria, its subsidiary, the Syrian-Lebanese Commercial Bank, and Syriatel, Syria's largest mobile phone company, as specially designated nationals under three separate executive orders. Executive orders again, eh? With these designations, all property and assets of these entities in the United States or under the control of U.S. persons, including overseas branches, are frozen. U.S. persons are prohibited from engaging in any transaction, including uh, payments, transfers, exports, withdrawals, or other dealings in which these SDNs have an interest. And it goes on and on and on. So that's how it's done, you see, is to prepare to plunder another country, and American guys will go over the air and they'll kill a lot of people and some of them will get killed too. They get little medals and uh, a bit of wood for a coffin. Uh, but somebody else benefits here. Somebody else benefits. And generally it's the ones who are pushing for the war that they do all the benefiting, it seems to me. So I'll put that up there tonight too at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And it's, it's, it's just astonishing, as I say, when you, when you see what's going on. Another article is due with the British government because they're beginning to steal its people's bank deposits ahead of the global financial collapse. A good article on that too is all the moves have made and all the laws have passed so they can help themselves to people's deposits in a time of crisis. They're always creating crisis, eh? masters of crisis creation. Quite something. But uh, that's planning for you anyway. And... (laughs) To, to get into the, the, the culture industry, if you understand the culture industry runs your lives, you emulate everything that you see. Your, what's your new normal culture that was given to you? It was given to you by people you'll never meet, the ones you don't see on the big screen because they're the guys behind the big screen. They make sure that the, you see what they want on the screen and that you emulate it. It's monkey see, monkey do, and that's what people are unfortunately like. This article is about the new Captain American film. It's hit in America and it screens on Friday. If you thought he was another friendly comic book hero, think again, right? And it says, um, it says, the stars, the stripes, and the shield. America, our Americana of questionable taste at its best. The comic book hero created at the dawn of the Second World War, Captain America, is back, costume clad and ferocious. But then the hero provided an extra boost at a time of pride and strength for the U.S. Then they go into it and they go into how it's made and how they always get the army and the Pentagon involved. You see? Because, you see, Hollywood works with the Pentagon. You find a lot of relatives in Hollywood have relatives in the Pentagon. 
and vice versa. Filmmakers, if they want to make a film about the war, any war, and they want to use military technology, they have to, to have the support of the Pentagon. Scripts go to the Pentagon, so they send the scripts there for oh, final okay. The Pentagon reviews the scripts and approves or rejects any collaborations. Directors know exactly what they're doing. They get their funding and their weaponry from the Pentagon. It's a very close relationship, said war correspondent Keith Harmon Snow. A very close relationship reflected in countless flicks to come out of Tinsel Town. And it starts with King Kong, a lot of racist stereotyping about Africa that covers up the U.S. role in the invasion of Central Africa. Apocalypse Now, which used helicopters that actually were being used at the time to put down anti-American insurgents in the Philippines at the very time it was being made. The Last King of Scotland, which is a false story about Uganda. There is the Black Hawk Down about Somalia, Snow Named a Few. The list, however, goes on. Compelling films such as Rambo 2 ended up even shaping war history, suggesting editorial col- uh, suggested editorial columnist Ted Rall. There's a monologue in the movie where Sylvester Stallone starts, uh, starts talking about how he had other troops come back from Vietnam and were literally spat upon by anti-war protesters. He said, no factual evidence of such an act was ever found by historians, but some people's approach to these events changed. After Rambo 2 came out, people started remembering that this had happened to them, said Rao. While America's enemies come and go, the regularity with such politics gets reflected in Hollywood productions, and it's impressive. We all have relationships in our life that are complicated, they're not all good or bad, yet when it comes to relationships with other countries, to policies, we see the world in very black and white terms, said Megan Carpenter, executive editor at the Raw Story. So, I'll put this one up as well, and uh, I have other ones to do with Hollywood, because Hollywood, with all of its perversions too, which most folk now unfortunately seemingly, are apparently, at least as far as I've heard, are emulating uh, as famous for exploitation of not only its stars, mainly the female, but also the guys as well. And I'll put an article up from one guy who was a, a young star, and when he was 14 and 13, he didn't know he was amongst a bunch of pedophiles. He, he, he didn't know. No one came up and says, by the way, son, that's a pedophile there. Watch yourself. No, because there were all pedophiles around him, and, and they're just like vampires just hovering around and getting what they want. So he mentions what happens to happened to him and a co-actor as well. I'll put that up, up there as if anyone really cares. Because personally, I think that it's contaminated society to such an extent there's nothing you can do about it because lots of folk are emulating the stuff that they see now. And uh, all the, the old social checks, which it came with your culture and even the remnants of your, your, your religion, doesn't matter if you believe in your religion or not, you got all these social checks from your culture. They're gone now as well. And that's what Quigley said years ago. That's what was happening then. The social checks, the things that kept everything in balance and stopped all the nasty things from happening. But then you can't shape a brave new world order where you, you can have what they call intergenerational sex without bringing a pedophilia up to, its, to the top. And I said years ago, too, one day you will see it on television and there will be no such crime as pedophilia. And that's what they're aiming for. The UN's already pushing that for that now itself. And another article, too, is how we're all trained. Everyone's getting trained. You understand that socialism and eugenics all go together. Socialism came out. The, the, the science, as they call it, of socialism, came out of eugenics. They're completely tied together. And the idea that you can train people like animals to do anything, which is partly true, 
uh, it's been really pushed through today like never before. Here's an anger at schools as, a, as the children are toilet trained. It's a new idea they've got. And it says parents are alarmed that children at a primary school in Melbourne's east, uh, east uh, began wetting themselves after the school tested an approach that discouraged them from going to the toilet in class time. In the Kew Primary School trial, which parents said was conducted without their knowledge, the entire class would go to the toilet if one child needed to go during a lesson. So I guess it made the one child feel guilty. One mother who asked not to be named said she first became aware of the trial when her child wet herself at the front door. I said, what happened? And she says, I'm holding on. I didn't want the whole class to have to come with me to the toilet. At first, when she told me the rule, I didn't believe her. Another mother took her high-achieving child to the doctor after she wet herself twice at home. She hasn't done this since she was three, the mother said. There was a kind of ripple effect where parents slowly became aware of changes in their children. Children were complaining of headaches and were constipated. They weren't drinking water and were coming home with uh, full drink bottles. A group of parents wrote to Q Primary Principal Kim Dre, expressing their concern about the trial and citing medical research about the impact of constipation children. What do you mean impact? They shouldn't be experimenting on children in the first place. In an email obtained by The Age, Dr. Dre said the whole class method of toilet break supervision was used successfully by some other schools and was being tested by some classes. Team leaders met at the end of last week to discuss the trial approaches, and although you might find this surprising, some commented on a decrease in disruption to class lessons, especially in senior and specialist classes, she wrote. So... Of course, Australia now is completely under, and it has been before that, that this Prime Minister here, but the, the last one was just the same. They've been Fabian socialist members of the Fabian Society, just like Tony Blair was in Britain and Brown after them. And no doubt a whole bunch in the present bunch are members of it too. That they always said you could train people like animals. All you who think that socialism is all about getting work and stuff, and <laughs> you should really find out what it really, really means. Britain, too, uh, uh, is interesting that the, uh, they're doing surveys now, and all councils are urged to map the, map the property and land assets. It looks like they're going to do a big sale-off in the future. It'll be privatization of whole streets and areas that would tie in with communitarianism as they plan to abolish nations, you see. So local authorities have been urged by governments to publish assets lists identifying land and buildings that could be managed more rationally. This is their excuse, potentially saving millions of pounds. The Department for Communities and Local Governments, there you go, has drawn up a a demo map which identifies over 180,000 assets owned by almost 600 public sector organizations, including central government and 87 councils. The administration said this highlighted widespread public property ownership well beyond requirements of frontline services. You'll find, as I say, the multimillionaires will come in and and buy up whole areas with houses on it, with people living in it, because, you see, that is the agenda down the road under communitarianism. And they always say at the top from the Royal Institute of International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations, how can we use this crisis to our advantage? And we've watched this big black hole, they say, that they cannot fill by throwing, by basically bankrupting every country that wasn't bankrupt to, 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 to stop countries that were bankrupt going any further in the hole. So this is the, the rubbish they fed the public. It says, Europe stumbles towards a tighter union. Isn't that nice that they're getting a tighter union because they're all bankrupt? Now, isn't that a beautiful strategy, war strategy? People don't even understand that economics is a form of warfare. It's one of the best forms of warfare. 
And it says here, starting in the 1950s, Europe's leaders edged closer. Uh, first became the European coal and steel cartel, then the common market, then the European Union, all done by lies, of course, which now includes 27 states. Then the disappearance of many border controls inside the EU. Finally, the euro. Each step of the way, the nations of Europe gave up little more sovereignty deferring to EU officials in Brussels on regulatory issues, honouring the rulings of the top EU court and, with some exceptions, such as Britain, yielding to the power to set interest rates to the European Central Bank. See, they've got one central bank uh, for the whole of Europe now. Okay? Uh, one thing no one surrendered, a power over the national budget. Fiscal union, where a central authority has final say over each country's spending and taxing, was never a possibility. Politically, at least, it was a move too far. To control the budget was to control the nation itself. Now the idea is being debated like never before. The desperate rescue attempts launched in Europe in the last two years mark a step towards fiscal union, uh, though Germany, the EU's most important member, still opposes it. So they're well on their way to get uh, not only the IMF going over every nation's books, and don't call them nations or states now, and uh, and they've been charged of a single currency and so on and so on. So they use every, they make the problem happen by bankrupting, say, one country. Then they bankrupt all the other countries that are supposed to throw all they have to, to fill. It's like a hole and there's water pouring through. And, and you just keep firing uh, corks in there. One day it'll plug it. That's the, that's what they did to to, 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 to stem, the, stem the, the tide of uh, financial meltdown which is guaranteed to cause financial meltdown. And then they walk out of it even happier than ever because now they've got a tighter union and the central bank has got more power than ever before. Do you really think this is all accidental? It's, it's war strategy. It's war strategy. Nothing happens like this by chance. Meanwhile, in Illinois, this is why Illinois can't afford its poor dead. The state of Illinois has reached a new level of broke. Come Monday, it won't have enough cash to bury its indigent dead. Uh, Illinois officials, Illinois officials sent a letter to more than 600 funeral directors around the state to let them know there's no money for funerals for individuals on public assistance. And it says, we got the letter, says Jonathan Sicconi, uh, owner and director of Sicconi Funeral Home. I'm extremely upset about it. I would be very concerned that during extreme economic times that some families can't provide the necessary funds to bury their loved ones. Sometimes God doesn't call during the best economic times and families can't afford to pay for a funeral and need help. But don't worry, Hillary and all the bunch of them and all break and so on, uh, they'll have you at war shortly. And, and maybe overseas, they might start burying the dead overseas. Uh, under all the sand, you know, like they used to do in World War Two, And there's always cash to go to war. Always cash. The, the people get nothing out of it, mind you, except more debts. But the big boys, oh boy, they come out smiling with all the plunder and loot that they've got. And people will never, ever wisen up, eh? I've never put my faith in, in the masses. I never have done that. Never, ever. Because I understand the techniques that's used on them just too well. And this is a good article here from CNS News. It says, President Barack Obama on Thursday toured a vehicle pla- uh, battery plant in Michigan, touting his administration's focus on green technology and jobs. This is part of his big stimulus package, remember. At a corporation where federal money authorized by the economic stimulus law that Obama signed at the beginning of his presidency had created green jobs. Now, these green jobs, eh, they create, this is a PR shot, too, he's got here. Um, it says, these green jobs at a cost of about $2 million in federal subsidies per job. <laughs> Only government could do that, eh? 
only government could, could end up working out. Two, it costs two million dollars per person to get a job. Of course, your tax money. And then they're up giving a PR thing about how wonderful his stimulus package is working. Only government could do that. Obama told employees of Johnson Controls in Holland, Michigan, guard at the factory that they represented how America can come out of a recession by making products that can be sold around the world <laughs> competitively, right? Two million dollars a person to give them work, eh? What a joke. Do you understand? Everything that's churned out the media is proper, pure. It's not even good propaganda now. Maybe they don't have to make it very good now because we've become very simple and dumbed down and stupid and poisoned. I don't know. But years ago, they'd have to do a better job of lying than they are today. So he, anyway, that's what the president says. Look what's happening in Holland, Michigan. Every day, hundreds of people are going to work on the technologies that are helping us fight uh, our way out of this recession. Oh, a good, I'm wondering he's got the stars and stripes. Yeah, he does. He has a plaque next to him. I thought he would do. All the symbols around the leader and, and, and you start crying and you, and you lose all your common sense. But anyway, that's a good little article there. It's just astonishing that people, uh, people never ever quite get it. What's really going on? They never quite get what's really, really going on. So, getting back to what I said at the beginning, uh, what happened in England? Uh, it was just a tinder box waiting to be lit, and it was lit. And the cops don't make those kind of mistakes, neither to the, to the media, regarding the, the shooting, and that the, the guy shot at the cops, which was nonsense. They don't make those kind of mistakes. And you don't send out hit teams like Trident uh, that are more known for assassinations. They, they, their job is to go out there and kill the person, and they take no chances whatsoever. And I can't see a guy pulling a starting pistol when he sees himself surrounded by uh, these ninjas with their MP5 submachine guns. Uh, so I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and Dave from the UK has been hanging on. My page just refreshed here so I can see it. So is, is Dave there? Hi, hi Alan. Yes. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm hanging on here. <laughs> um, I just wanted to bring to your attention the writings of a guy called uh, Shogi Effendi. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of him? Vaguely, I think, yeah. Yeah, um, basically he's one of the leaders of the Baha'i religion. Okay, okay, yeah. For the United Nations, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to just um, read out some of the titles of uh, his um, writings, if that's possible. Sure, go ahead. Um, One of the titles is The Goal of a New World Order, um, A War-Weary World, um, the Guiding Principles of World Order, um, a World Super State, and Unity and Diversity. So, this is, this sounds like somebody who's, uh, aware of the, um, the agenda, basically. Well, that the Baha'i were created to bring, help bring in the World Order. And, uh, 
uh, it was tied off about the 1800s by a guy who's got an interesting career, uh, backed by big money, in fact, too, uh, who basically took parts of all religions and the idea that they'd make a new religion for the world, much the same as Gorbachev said, but it would have to be based on a form of earth worship, and that's all your greening stuff. That's how far ahead they work out their plans, you know, the centuries. And uh, the Baha'i faith was all uh, it was set up to do that. And, uh, of course, they're heavily involved again, through money, from money from the United Nations that we all get taken off our, from our tax money uh, to promote this whole agenda. They've got so many organizations working towards the global agenda with the same types of titles because they meet at world meetings, all the different groups, and and help uh, help push it on to the next step and the next step and the next step. They've got masses of uh, psychologists working on board with them, uh, neuroscientists to, to shape the minds of the young, etc., uh, uh, you'd be surprised that it's a whole massive business at the top, all living off of foundations cash, which they've got trillions to spend on NGOs, and off our tax money that the, the governments generally don't tell you about unless you ask specific questions and they'll reply. Yeah, we give so much to this group and that group and so on, all for radical change. But you're quite right, um the Baha'is heavily involved. And I, I met a, a guy who went off to be a... a a security guard to hold the machine gun outside their door over there. And he had to skip uh, Canada because he, he was plundering uh, the cash off of mentally disabled children <laughs> and who got, who got a kind of uh, stipend every weekend uh, from the government. He was stealing it to play video games and various things and get drugs. And he got a job as with the Baha'i faith because his mum was tied in with it. So it's a bunch of crooks like always at the top underneath all the lovely lotus flowers, etc. It's the same as everything else. It's utterly corrupt. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Ben-Gurion talked about, um, he had some sort of hint of it. Um, because, the, like, you know, the Baha'i faith, like the major mm-hmm. subgroup within it is based in Haifa in Israel. Yes, and, and, and Ben-Gurion also... And not only was a vice prime minister Israel, but he was also a, a hardened what he called communist. Do you understand what they, they mean in Israel by communist? It's taking a long, fascinating road, but it's, it's fascinating to, to see what he means by communist. Who should run the world? You know? Thanks for calling. But from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your gods, go with you.